Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 321 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, October 24th. We are, as we record this, less than 24 hours away from the Atlanta Braves clinching a berth in the World Series. And to preview that upcoming series against the Houston Astros, I am joined, as often slash always, by both Eric Cole and Scott Coleman. Hello, fellas. Brad, we need to talk a little bit about the timing of like your various travel and things like that, because leaving <laughs> Scott and I to our own devices to do a podcast of a world like a World Series birth clinching game. It was good. Was super, look, you know, Scott and I have a blast, but at the same time, like it was stressful, man. <laughs> like, especially like I was like, I was, I was like barely conscious. <laughs> you know, I was glad that you came on, obviously. It was good to all three of us at least got to talk for a little bit about it. Uh, and, you know. It's been a really fun day. Uh, certainly not a relaxing one for me. I got the podcast uploaded at like quarter to two. Uh, and then I promptly was awake at 4.45 because I had promised uh, my father-in-law that I would go fishing with him that morning. So uh, I did do that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as soon as uh, this pod, that we're done recording this, I will be asleep. So, but I'm really excited to be talking to you guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good time of year, right? It's it's a good busy um, I don't know about you guys and everybody else out there, but I slept like a baby last night. I was emotionally drained from watching that game. Um, just, uh, a, just a lot of fun today. There was just so many great moments that have surfaced of, of just the celebration and the aftermath. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen it, the one thing I wanted to bring quick attention to, if you have not seen it already, there's a video clip of the radio guys celebrating the final out from last night and uh, Joe Simpson jumps up and throws his arms in the air. And he of course has been with the the organization for so long. Um, Really a great moment. So if you haven't seen that of all the celebration stuff, I at least wanted to point that out, but uh, good to be on with you guys. And, and a, uh, for the first time ever, a world series preview podcast. Yeah, this is certainly a first. Uh, I would echo your sentiment on that radio call. Uh, It was definitely one of the things that got me last night was was Joe Simpson, who you know we've kind of had our battles with over the years, but he's been in my life for a long, long time. Uh, and to have Joe kind of just go crazy and a good call by Ben Grimm as well on radio, and that was fun, as well as the one that I think I actually saw from from Scott sharing it of the Titanic theme to the celebration. That was <laughs> always uh, good, tremendous. Always. Uh, <laughs> always. Headline by, by by Blooper, uh, Blooper with the flag across the field. <laughs> Just the most ridiculous thing of all time. I love but, uh, Blooper. When so Blooper, yeah, when Blooper first got announced, I'm like, okay, this is kind of corny. And I love Blooper. He makes me laugh every <laughs> time I see him. 
It's so good. Uh, but yeah, if, if for some reason anybody missed that podcast, I definitely recommend it. I am only I'm on it for like five minutes, and then it's you guys for more than an hour. It was long. It was good. I would uh, certainly encourage people to listen to that one, not just this one. And also, I think we'll have a Daily Hammer tomorrow. Plenty of content coming. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. It is the best possible time to jump on board, so we'll have more to come for sure. But still, today's podcast is essentially to preview the World Series, and we'll save our Astros-specific, like, break-them-down talk. That's coming up soon. Obviously, Houston's in the American League. A lot of Braves fans kind of just watch the Braves and haven't seen a lot of Houston this year, so we're going to talk about them for a while. But a couple of things to tease before we get to that. Um... I pulled some numbers on the Braves, uh, which I think everybody kind of knows deep down, but worth kind of remembering how good this team has been for a long time now. Uh, since the All-Star break, they were 36-18 and 18 to close the season. Um, that's obviously quite good. Winning twice as much as you lose is very, very good in baseball. And they're 7-3 in the playoffs. They beat the team that had the best run differential in baseball in the last round with the Dodgers. And it wasn't their absolute best. That's worth pointing out. But... To beat the Dodgers after that run, um, this is a pretty crazy stat, too. This is only the fourth time in baseball history that a team reached the All-Star break with a losing record and then made the World Series. And the last time this happened was the worst of first Braves in 1991. And I know uh, I know Scott is too young to know anything about that team for the most part. <laughs> were you born, Scott? I don't, think, I don't think you were. Maybe you were. But I, was, um, I was a month away from being born in 91. There so it's it's been a long time. Young, young, you young sprout. You. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. And I, I, before I, I, I do want to paint the picture of some Astro stuff as well. But I was reminded today, actually, in our Slack chat at Talking Chop, we have multiple staff members who were not born the last time the Braves made the World Series. That's how old we are. Oh man, uh, <laughs> twenty-two I, years. I, I, yeah, yeah. I I think there's two. Yeah. I believe there are two. One, one for sure. Yeah, one, one for sure. There's at least one. Uh, but anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna out them. They out themselves. But I was. It, it just it just kind of hit me funny. You know, in my mind, 91 feels like a long. I mean, obviously 99 is a long time ago as well. 91 just feels like a different time for me because like of where I, I was five years old. Like I remember that kind of, but I was not an adult. You know, in 99. I was 14. Uh, you know, I was getting, you know, you're, you're kind of coming into your own. You're watching a ton of games. You're really invested. That just feels different to me. And it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty old if someone on the staff was not born when the Braves made the World Series last. Um, but anyway, before we get into that, it just kind of struck me, man. Like, the Braves have been so good for so long that, yes, we talk about this. You tried to talk about it last night, how much the team has changed. That's, you know, every single game. On TBS, they do a, a montage of how much they changed in season, particularly the outfield. That's always a talking point. It's worth emphasizing. Um, but the current version of the Braves, the post-deadline Solaire, Rosario, Duval Braves team, Jock Peterson, that, that Braves team is essentially been playing like almost 700 baseball. And that's, it's not a huge sample size, but it's a big enough sample size where it can't be ignored. Scott, I mean, how how, how good is this team right now? Because it feels like they're actually like quite – I mean, I know it's kind of obvious they're in the World Series, but <laughs> it's worth staying, like playing like how good they are. It's not just like been good fortune. This is actually a very good team at the moment. No, you're absolutely right. And I think nationally, folks who do not pay attention to the Braves as closely as all of us do, 
you know, there was a little bit of, oh, they only won 88 games and uh, dead spin, which is kind of a joke now. This, this uh, actually inspired was... this whole segment, by the way. This, this, oh, good. It's the first thing, first thing that. This, is, this is why I'm doing this. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. And it's like, look, I get it. Like, as a whole, not everyone's paying attention to the Braves like we are, but you're absolutely right. Ever since that couple days into the month of August, this has been a different team. And I think for really in my mind, it started during that sweep in St. Louis, which of course was also right about the time the Cardinals got red hot. Uh, but I believe if memory serves that dating back to that, whatever day in the first or second week of August, I think other than the giants and the Dodgers who won 107 and 106 games respectively, the Braves have the third most wins of any team in baseball during that time span. And it's not quite the, the catchy uh, slogan that the, the nationals penned a couple of years ago when they were the best team in baseball <laughs> since May 24th or whatever it was. Uh. Um, but you, yeah, right. Every single day we seemingly heard it. Um, but you're right. This is a different team. They're, they're seven and three in the playoffs against two really good teams. The Brewers went, uh, start to finish they were in first place and then we know how talented and just how deep the Dodgers are but yeah this is this team is seemingly they're pushing the right buttons uh, guys are stepping up whenever someone goes into a little bit of a funk it seems like someone else steps up and vice versa um, it truly has been a team effort and they're four games away from a World Series which is crazy to think because I don't think there was really a person on the planet who could with a straight face tell you in the middle of July this team was going to be uh, in the World Series and, and just on this crazy run right now. Yeah, I mean, during that, I mean, during July, we were, like, talking about, like, their playoff chances being, like, 10% or worse, right? Uh, and, you know, part of the problem was the Mets were leading, but also, like, the Phillies' schedule was really easy, and you lose Ronald Acuna Jr., you don't have Marcelo Zuna, you know, Mike Soroka's obviously out. You know, the, like, Travis Darno was still out, so, like, the catching situation was weird, and Ian Anderson's hurt. And you're just no, like, no, but Eric, the Dodgers had injuries. Don't forget that. They had injuries, so we have to we have to only talk about so, you know, Well, if you're watching the, the, the broadcast of the NLCS, the only team that was competing on the field was the Dodgers. I thoroughly enjoyed the, like, very deafening silence out of Ron Darling when the Braves did anything good in that series. Like, and it wasn't because I was actually listening to it, but man, Twitter would like, everyone was all over him and it was awesome uh, because the, that, that broadcast was truly terrible. Um, and I'm glad that I <laughs> muted, mo I, I'm glad I muted mo most of it, but look, it's a, it's a completely different Braves team. And at the end of the day, once you get into the playoffs, like you're as good as you, look, you, everything's kind of like in a microcosm, right. But at the same time, like, this is a team that's been tested. It's not like a fluky thing. You know, maybe 2020 was a, was a particularly weird year where like the Braves basically didn't have any starting pitching for three fourths of the season. And, you know, then they get the Reds in a really short series and, you know, squeak by there, you know, against some really good pitchers. And then they get the Marlins somehow in the next round. You know, I understand a certain level of flukiness, but this is a team that, you know, after like pushing the Dodgers to seven games, this year they overcome everything that they had that they had happened to them were one of the best teams in baseball for the last couple months of the season and then they go against a brewers team that was favored to win that had some of the best the starting pitchers in the entire league on their roster and handled them then they go to and they have the dodgers who i think we all i think we all agree that of the four teams that were left they were the best team on paper 
and beat them in six games. And at the end of the day, that tells you how good this team is playing right now. And it tells you like where they are at as a team. Like at the end, you can't look at the records from the regular season anymore because you know, they're battle tested. Like, you know, the proof, the proof is in the pudding. And at the end of the day, you know, sure, the Astros can be better than the Braves, you know, c- you know, come Tuesday and throughout the rest of the week. That could absolutely happen. Weird things happen in baseball. But, you know, if you're looking at just like what this team is doing right now as constituted, the Braves belong in the World Series. And all this talk about how, like, you know, they shouldn't be here. We don't we're not getting to the, we're not getting the two best teams in baseball or anything like that, as if they would care at all <laughs> if a nine and seven NFL team made a run to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Because what they would care about, they wouldn't care about what their record was. They would care about what market they were representing. Because I can tell you now, if like a nine and seven Tom Brady team or the Dallas Cowboys snuck in and made a run to the Super Bowl, they wouldn't be talking about they didn't belong there because they they knew where their marketing dollars were coming from. And that's the part that's frustrating the most for me. Yeah, I I just think that, number one, current form matters more than the full season and i'm actually someone i think people listen to the podcast regularly know this like i i like the da- i like the the data aspect of baseball i like the numbers i like the large sample sizes and i lean on that kind of stuff but um it is obviously context dependent and i think like this current braves team is an 88 win team it's just not really accurate and we you know we're not above saying when we don't think they're, they're very good like for a lot of the time we've had this podcast they weren't very good but you know, I think that's just kind of objectively the case where the current talent level, um, performance level, all that stuff is, is better than that. And even beyond that, um, you know, baseball is a sport that is is a lot of randomness involved in baseball. Even in a series, you know, how often does the does the best team in baseball in capital letters win the World Series? Like in terms yeah. of like their body of work. It doesn't happen all that often because no, baseball is doesn't. random. Um, and yeah, yeah, that, that can be frustrating. It could also be exhilarating in some respects too. So um, you have to kind of just t- not not that you throw it out the window because it still matters. Team quality matters and all that stuff. But um, you know, it, it frustrated me, and I, I know I said that that was what inspired that segment because it, it did. It's just like the biggest eye roll imaginable. Like yes, um, clearly it's a little weird that like a team that won 88 games just beat a 106 win team to make the World Series, but. If it had been a one-game sample size, if it had been an, a wild-card playoff that the Dodgers lost to an 88-win team, I would have understood. Truly, I would have. Because that we talked about with the Braves, the first wild-card game, the Braves, the Braves were six games better, and they lost. And it was, like, maddening. Because we were like, look, we're that team's better than the other team. And they lost in one day. But if you win a best-of-seven series, and it, it's grueling, and you, make all these, and you make all these plays, and the end result is... Um, uh, it's I, I, it's a zombie outlet, but a national outlet at, at that comes out and says the the best two the best teams are not in the, in the World Series. It's like yeah, okay. Uh, well, and that that's sports, man. Like yeah. that's that's what, why <laughs> if it was yep. a computer <laughs> yep. simulation, nobody would watch because we'd already know. I mean, that's what makes sports great. Yes, some years you're going to have a loaded team and you're going to fall short, and then just like the Braves are doing now, or the Nationals a couple years ago, or those Kansas city Royals teams that got hot. I mean, again, that's sports, man. That's why, that's why we tune in every single day because you, you just can't predict what's always going to happen. If any fan base, uh, at least um, older people like, like us, if any fan base knows that the best team doesn't always win, it's kind of, it's Braves fans. Uh, the nineties are a perfect example of that, where if, if all was right in the world and you just did a simulation, the Braves have more than one world series championship. I'll say I'll tell you that right now. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think we kind of know that, especially people of a certain age definitely know that. 
Um, but you have to just go with, with what's in front of you. And we won't spend a ton of time on this, but, you know, there's a little bit of history in the playoffs with, between the Astros and the Braves. The Astros used to be in the National League. If you're a young person that doesn't know that, the, the Astros were in the National League for a long, long, long time. And the Braves played the Astros five times in the playoffs. They happened all within a eight-year sample size. Um, if I throw if I throw out the name Chris Burke, oh. it might send papers uh, oh, down your spine. Uh, if, Chris Burke uh, and, Joey, and Joey Devine. Um, that's the 2000, uh, what, 2005 yeah. NLDS where the Braves lose on a walk-off to an unheralded shortstop in the 18th inning against a pitcher that had just come up from college a few months before that. Uh, just a lot of craziness. On that front, um, the Braves won the first three series against the Astros. They lost the last two. I, also, I should also point out for one and probably only time that the Braves currently have the longest winless streak in World Series history. They've lost their last eight consecutive World Series games because they lost the last four in 96 and they got swept in 98. Now, does that matter at all for this for this series? No, it does not. But uh, you'll definitely hear it. I can tell you that right now. In game one, you will hear about how the Braves have lost their last eight World Series games, even though there are players on the team that were not born when that was happening. So history is going to be a part of this thing. Uh, you will probably hear the name Jim Laritz, at least from me at some point. <laughs> um, but listen, the Braves, the history stuff matters. Uh, how, about, how about one more before I hand it off to you guys? The last time the Braves played the Astros in any game that, um, that actually counted non-spring training division was 2017. Uh, mm. they're, supposed to, they're supposed to play last year, but the schedule got messed up. Obviously, they'll end up playing your own like mini division and all that stuff. 2017 was the season now infamously that the Astros won the World Series and had the massive cheating scandal. Uh, so that was the last time these two teams even played. It's been four plus years since they've actually taken the field together. So yes, we can look at the numbers and all that stuff and the history. And I, I do like the history of, of the baseball stuff. But Eric, uh, I guess it is worth pointing out that it doesn't really matter at this point because this is a uh, different slates, we'll say. Yeah, um, I mean, when you're 20, you know, 21, 22 years, you know, removed from your last World Series appearance, I mean, like, this, it's just a complete, it's a completely different game that's even pl being played, let alone the players involved, right? And uh, it's funny because one of my assignments for Talking Shop uh, was to do a retrospective of the Braves' five World Series appearances in the 90s. And I will say this, I embedded a video of the entirety of the at-bat of one Jim Laritz in that article. Why on earth would you do that? Why? And, why, in, why in the world? And I, well, that's because I watched it and I feel like everyone else has to experience that pain too. And I mean, like for me, I mean, I was, oh, how old was I then? That was, uh, I was 15 years old when that, that happened and pain. Uh, I, I, it was very much like, again, the, 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 the types of moments that you were feeling in this Dodgers series where it's like, wow, this is where things could go off the rails. Imagine instead of Tyler Matzik coming in and saving the day that a guy who should never be a hero for any team ends up tying a game on a two run bomb and then losing that game in extra innings. Brutal. That was a brutal one to relive. And, and, and never winning again. Uh, but no, I it was, it was again, this is kind of funny now. I was explaining the whole situation in 96 to someone today. Um, just because, you know, it's a long time ago. And, you know, we're not all insane like like us and know all this stuff off the back of our heads. And, you know, you just kind of hear Jim Layeritz. And it's like, all right, well, I've probably done this 10 times on the podcast. The Braves won the first two games in New York in 96 and then lost the last four in a row, including three in a row at home. Like that kind of stuff, like will stick with you my entire life. I mean, I, I hope it gets erased at some point. Maybe they'll win and I'll stop caring. Um, but still, uh, it's all just 
a weird mess up. But again, I'm telling myself this as much as everybody else. These players are different. The situation is different. The Astros are in a different league. They've played together in the playoffs before. This is a different team. The Astros are actually pretty similar to their uh, very good you know, World Series team. But uh, a lot to kind of look at and also a lot to throw out in the coming days. I mean, I guess we'll get into some Astros stuff in a second. But you want to start on the Bra- I guess we'll start on the Brave stuff. Let's start on the Brave stuff now. Um, not a whole lot's going to change, I don't think. For the Braves coming into this series, we just watched them play two playoff series, and there was a little bit of a tweak in the middle with the roster, but not much. You know, Jorge Soler is now back with the team. That's obviously a positive. And the rotation sets up the way that you would want it to set up. Um, Charlie Morton's been announced as the Game 1 starter. That was not a surprise at all. It was the assumption everybody made. Uh, I am going to assume, unless someone tells me otherwise, that Max Fried on five days rest will be the guy in Game 2. And then I will also assume Ian Anderson on five days rest will be the guy in Game 3, followed by a bullpen game, probably, in Game 4, and then the same thing from 5, 6, and 7. Uh, do either one of you want to uh, take a different angle than that? No, I think that sounds right. The one thing that I uh, wanted to just emphasize is the importance of winning last night was huge, obviously, for many reasons. But winning in 6 then allows you to start Charlie Morton on the road in yep. Game 1. I think that's I think that's a big deal. Um the alternative was, um, could Freed have started on normal rest in time? He pitched what Thursday, yes. so Friday. He, he would have been on. He would have been on four days rest because um, he's going to be on five. Guys. Yeah, he he would have been on four days rest for Tuesday. Um, but but then th- but then you you're not getting Charlie back, right? You're not yeah. getting Charlie then until at least game three. I don't think based on the timing of it. So yes, I, I think I think what you said is correct. And winning last night had a, a big impact in that regard. And also the extra rest. I mean, famously, Max has been better on extra rest in his entire career. He's now on five days for game two. Um, Morton is, you know, on, on regular stuff. Anderson will be on extra rest as well. Like, obviously, Houston actually has the rest advantage. They won the day before. But pitching-wise, and we'll get into this later on, starting pitching is actually a pretty sizable advantage on paper for the Braves in this series. And to have it be able to line it up. And I know there's this, like, everlasting debate about who's better between Freed and Morton. But regardless, those two guys are lined up to pitch in order, Morton's going to be the guy. And by the way, former Astro Charlie Morton on the mound in Game One. Eric, do you uh, do you do you have a, a different angle on this, or is this what we all expect? Yeah, I mean, this seems about right. You know, the, how the bullpen game is going to be handled is going to be a little bit interesting, just because like with like you know with the situation with Enoa, and then like you know how are you going to handle like this lineup in particular is a it's particularly difficult to bullpen against. Because uh, they just could line up left, right, left, right, left, right. I don't even know how you prepare for that from a bullpen perspective. Um, the, the lefty relievers are going to have to do a lot of work uh, to kind of pull that through. Uh, it's nice to be able to line up the rotation because what we saw, we what we saw with the Dodgers is that you know with Scherzer, Urias, and and Bueller is that those three were just better than the Braves' top three, right? But because of the way that they had to line guys up and how rest was handled, and how it was managed in the previous series, the Dodgers could not take advantage of that advantage very well. And the Braves being able to line up exactly how they want guys, they want to have Morton going multiple times in the series, they want to have Max potentially go multiple times in the series, multiple times in the series, and they're able to line things up. That allows you to take, if, allow, if you have an advantage like that, being able to leverage that advantage the most is really important. Uh, versus an Astros team where, I mean, like, I'm not sure if rest really was going to matter because, I mean, that 
that that starting rotation is really suspect to me. And I, again, that's that I think that's going to be a big part of the series. But in order, you have if you're the Braves, where you're going in such a good lineup that you just and where your advantage lies is in the starting pitching rotation. It's like being able to line up the guys they want to, which again, I think you're right in the assumptions kind of how things are going to happen. I'm a little curious as to kind of how the bullpen game ultimately gets executed, but it doesn't really kind of change the schedule, if that makes any sense. For sure. And obviously we'll save most of that until later on in the series. You know, we can talk about the the, the game four bullpen game now for a while, but um, I guess the only thing before we get to the Astro stuff specifically uh, is any roster considerations for the Braves? You know, for one, you know, the DH comes into play for at least two, if not uh, as many as four games in the series. Um, I think it's pretty cut and dry. The Braves will either use Jorge Soler as the DH or Eddie Rosario as the DH, and they will play all three of their outfielders and have their fourth outfielder as the DH. I can't imagine anything else if everybody is healthy and available to play. Part of that's because they don't have any other options. Like, it would stun me if they threw, you know, Camargo out there at DH one day. It just doesn't make sense to me. They they have a very clear four top four outfielders, and the fourth guy just plays DH. Um, but there is some roster considerations. Like with the DH in play for four games, do you handle it differently? Do you maybe carry a shorter bench? Do you um, stick with Camargo, who's on the roster last round? Um, Arcia is still on this team. Do you want to carry Christian Pache? Maybe even consider Terrence Gore. Like there is some decision making. They went with fourteen. Um, they went from yeah, 14 position players and 12 pitchers in the last round. Uh, Scott, do you have any tweaks that you might make to this uh, to this roster heading into the series? I would carry Pache uh, really for just one reason and one reason only. Um, the Houston outfield configuration is really weird. Um, left field is very small. They have that short porch. Crawford boxes. Um, yes. So you really, you, you know, the defense in left field – I mean, you obviously need someone who's competent out there, but you're really not covering much ground. That being said, center field is huge. They have that little hill at the end of center field. It's not the old one, but there is still something to navigate out there. Um, the right center uh, gap is is spacious. Um, so I would carry Pache. I, I don't know what Johan Camargo gives you. I mean, I guess he's a switch hitting pinch hitter who was good in the big leagues like four years ago, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Johan, I wanted to believe, but no, it's true. I mean, his, his at bats are not competitive. Um, like, let me ask you this. If, if it was game seven of the world series bases loaded and your choices were Johan Camargo or Orlando Arcia, I mean, I would take Arcia personally. I don't know how you guys feel. I mean, it's not a great situation. Of course, we're talking about the end of the bench here, but I would prefer Pache's skill set as both an elite defensive replacement and a pinch runner um, over that of a Terrence Gore who can only run, even if he can run really fast, or a Camargo who I'm just not sure what he gives you. Yeah, I think I mentioned it even at the end of before last year's. I'm gonna get to Eric too in a second. Like, I don't understand the Camargo thing at all. I never, I never understood the Camargo thing. Adding him to the roster in place of Solaire didn't make sense to me. They should have carried Pache in my mind. Um, but one thing again to point out is like, honestly, I cannot see a situation where the Braves are going to pinch hit at all in in Houston. Like, there is no way they're pinch hitting. Am I crazy? I, I can't see a scenario barring no. an injury that they're going to pinch hit anybody for anybody in those four games, up to four games in Houston. Now, obviously, the games in Atlanta matter, and there are three games in a row, so you have to consider that on some level. But it does matter roster building-wise that, I mean, 
there's not like a platoon matchup. There's no one on the bench that would be good enough to pinch hit to pitch hit for anybody else that's on the team. So essentially, when you go to Houston, you're playing your nine, and that's going to be your nine unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah, I, I, that's why I think I'd actually carry the extra pitcher, um, and I'd really consider a righty reliever uh, just because the Braves are just really lefty heavy. Is it Strider, um, is it Strider time, Eric? Is that where you're going right now? Uh, I mean, that would probably be the arm that I would choose, yeah, if I'm just being honest. And the, there's there's real issues with, like, you know, confidence in Luke Jackson and, you know, maybe getting a fresh ready arm to maybe if you find a spot where it makes sense to have a, a, a ready reliever but you don't necessarily want to lose use Luke, even even in a situation like, you know, Luke threw a bunch of pitches on the previous day or something like that, I like having an extra ready in the pen more than a, a bench bat that, like, <laughs> would be really it, it's not a good position to be betting them anyway if that makes any sense i i completely understand if, if you're carrying the extra bat i'd carry pache over over camargo or gore or whatever or the, those types of guys like that's that if you're carrying the extra if you're carrying the bench bat i'd be carrying pache but you know because again he just kind of has some more like dynamic tools that he like he can actually do things that are useful uh whereas uh you know scott put it pretty kindly uh johan camargo <laughs> isn't isn't a guy that you want playing in the field ever and he hasn't looked good at the plate he he made multiple pinch hitting appearances and none, none of them ended well he at least made contact in the last one which was nice but you know i i would i would carry pache if i'm carrying a position player but for me i'm probably carrying the other arm yeah and one of the things actually because he know is now not an option they're down to one true long reliever and it's drew smiley I know Chavez was kind of the opener when they were doing that, and maybe maybe that'll happen again in Game Four. But they only have one true bolt guy. Like we've seen Minter throw two innings, we've seen Matzik throw two innings. I'm sure they have guys that can throw two innings, but beyond two, uh, it might just be Smiley. Uh, someone asked me today if Josh Tomlin might be a consideration. That scared oh, me to death. No, uh, no, no. I, I would, I would, I would. <laughs> I, guess I think I, he's. I, would, I think. I think he's just hurt and done. Yeah. I, I do. I do too. But. I understand the thinking, not because of Tomlin's being a great option, but, you know, preferably, particularly in that middle three games where they're back-to-back-to-back days and you have a bullpen game in there, it's a little bit worrisome that you don't have another bolt guy. Um, because if Smiley doesn't have it, and the plan is to have him throw three innings or something like that in that game, you get taxed. And you have guys you don't trust. Like, I think we all know that there's a hierarchy in the bullpen. We won't spend too much time on that. Uh, but clearly Snicker trusts the guys he trusts and doesn't want to pitch everybody else. Um, yeah. Oh, for the record, I know there was a lot of hate about Luke Jackson last night, and I get it, he was not good. Uh, it will stun me if he's not still a core piece of the bullpen, unless he keeps blowing Agreed. Now, who, who else from the right side are you going to put what, in and that that's situation? What I mean, I mean yeah, combination yeah. of Snicker is a pretty conservative guy. He likes to trust his guys. Luke's a vet. He's been around for a long time. He had a really good year. And also what Scott just said, like, there is not an option to go to that you trust more. Like, maybe I could see him going to Chris Martin, but similarly, similar reasons, like, Martin's been around for a while as a vet, but, like, that's still, even if even if you say maybe he trusts Martin and or Chavez, you're still using Luke. I, I just, I can't see him, at least for game one and two, if not using Luke Jackson, uh, just because, yeah, if he has another blow-up game, maybe you start wavering a little bit. But I know people were worried about the way he looked in the dugout and all that stuff. Like, I, I, he had a good interview after the game where he kind of, you know, he owned it and all that stuff. I just want to say that on the record. I, I just saw a lot of, like, well, we can't pitch him anymore. It's like, well, no, that's not a thing. Like, he's, I think he's going to pitch. It will pretty much surprise me if he's not pitching at some point in the next two days in terms of the uh, game, games one and two, I mean. 
it's just also worth mentioning that like the Dodgers are particularly good against right-handed relievers and they just, they, they might just had the juice on Luke. Like they just, they, they knew what he had, what his approach was going to be and where his pitches were going to be. And they just, you know, they, they scouted him really well and had the personnel to do so. You know, I mean, some of those pitches that, you know, Luke was giving up hits on, I mean, like the, like that, that Pollock double was garbage. It was, you know, barely out of the infield and just got hit in the exact right spot. And, yeah. you know, obviously the, I, I've kind of, I'll die on the hill forever that that pitch to Bellinger was a good pitch. You know what I mean? Like it was like Agreed. five inches out of the, yeah. five inches out of the zone. Yeah. You know, 100%. so I mean, I mean, like, were they guessing correctly? Yeah, absolutely. But, and maybe that's a game planning issue. Maybe they just need to like, you know, like maybe it's a slight execution thing too. Maybe a pitch needs a little bit further in or a little bit further down. That's what those are. Those are slight things, which is frustrating, but at the same time, it's not like Luke was just throwing meatballs. You know, he was just, you know, <laughs> he, he was getting his pretty unlucky and you know really really good hitters that are good against ready relievers so i i luke's fine yeah i, I don't think that and again if he keeps blowing up he keeps blowing up and maybe you have to reassess it but uh i just can't see a scenario where in game one snicker like puts him on the do not use list in his mind i just don't see that happening so and by the way i know matzik pitch like every day for a month you cannot only use two relievers. <laughs> you have to use other guys. At some no, point. no, no. Let him run. Let him no, run. He, he Let might, him I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm saying, like, with the way the current environment is for starting pitching, you're going to have to, like, you're not going to get six innings every night from your starter. Like, you're not going to be able to get every game in this series. You cannot just pitch Minter, Matzik, and Smith. You have to use other guys <laughs> in this series at some point. I'm just saying. I know we like to believe a world, believe in a world where Mike, both Charlie and Max and Ian just throw seven shutout innings and you just hand it off to Matzik, and that's the end of that. But it's not going to happen that way. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, in a in a perfect world, and it's never a perfect world, but sure, your losses. If you can give your your horses a night off in the games you lose, it happened. Sure. It happened in the, in the last series. They they punted they punted that game, and yep. that actually worked out very well. Like we could have been where they should have punted that game and how they handled that, but it did work out where you got guys a day off in the bullpen and yeah luke didn't benefit from it but matzik needed a day off probably and he was obviously incredible last night yeah. um smith too so you know there's pros and cons but you have to plan a little bit i know there's days off that definitely gives you a, a little bit of a boost there but there's still that three day straight scenario back in atlanta where you can't necessarily just go in and, and, and assume everybody could be three days three days in a row it's a lot i could i could see a situation particularly uh a when they're in Houston, that it's, it does seem like that Snicker is more than willing to use Matzik and Minter in multi-inning situations. And that might be a way yeah. to, you know, like preserve bullpen guys. So. And, and like, no, and I, no pinch hitting too. Like uh, yeah. No, yeah. No that, yeah I, I mean, Scott and I talked about that at, at length last night. It's like, you know, I think one of the biggest parts of that game was Travis Darno making an out right before the pitcher spot because Jorge Soler was in the, on deck circle. And I think they were going to pull Matzik in that game. So again, <laughs> a, a kind of a weird part of that game, but it also kind of points to now that they have the DH in play that maybe there's not a, a lot of weird double switches and like forced decisions that are going to be made on Snicker. And if he feels like, Hey, you know, AJ and Matzik, these are guys that can go multiple innings. That's kind of a way to kind of preserve their bullpen arms. Um, maybe stay away from Luke if need be. If he doesn't, especially if he like doesn't look good, in like the first time he, he 
he appears and like the asteroids seem to be on him but these are these are there's there's workarounds unfortunately when you do that though if you're going to run them out two innings you really need to kind of be careful about their usage the you know especially the day after so you know planning that and how that's executed but it i'll say one thing about brian snicker he really managed the bullpen well last series and i that that was and it was it was an important part of that series because dave roberts was pretty bad was dave roberts yeah 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 yeah. and you know he used eight or nine pitches every game and you know the the bullpen for the dodgers wasn't the problem it was just like you know how the starters end up having to be employed uh and when they're especially when they're used as relievers uh in the case of julio urias uh and max scherzer even at the end of the giant series like i think that that really messed them up and you know gave the braves you know an edge where they didn't normally have one yeah i uh I i would agree with all of that all right, we'll, we'll probably litigate stuff during the middle of the series, but for now, well, the roster is not due until Tuesday morning, so we'll probably have to hold our breath until then with how they make those decisions and how that is all handled, but we'll get into all that, I promise, in the coming days. Um, now, we'll go to a break real quickly, and then we'll come back, we'll talk about the Astros, what to expect from the opposition in the upcoming World Series. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, friends, let us talk about the Astros. We sort of got into it a little bit. Um, I'll start with the terrifying part, and that is the Astros lineup. Uh, Houston is very good on offense um, to the point where they, I think, pretty objectively were the best offense in baseball this season. They led all of Major League Baseball in runs scored. They led all of Major League Baseball in WRC Plus at 116. A team WRC Plus 116 is pretty terrifying. Um, And they were number one in Fangraph's War among position players. They also had the lowest strikeout rate in baseball, so not, not a lot of like, I mean, there's the put-in-play stuff, but they're pretty much deep, they're talented, they've been even better in the playoffs, they have a about an 800 OPS as a team in the playoffs, which is, again, pretty striking, and this is even more, uh, a little bit, I don't know, shivering for the opposition, they were also the best hitting team this season against both righties and lefties in all of Major League Baseball. Wow. They, they had a 116 WRC plus against righties and a 117 against lefties. So mm-hmm. they're balanced, they're deep, they have stars. You know, Jordan, Arv- Jordan Alvarez was the MVP of the ALCS. He was ridiculous in that series. He's been a star level player. Jose Altuve, everybody knows. Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, Kyle Tucker, Carlos Correa, Yuri Gurriel. They basically only have one offensive weakness, and it's catcher. Um, so essentially, they're playing eight guys every night that are. Maybe not like full-on superstars, but strongly above-average regulars, and that's something that is uh, pretty scary. So they can obviously be beaten. No one's saying that they can't be slowed down, but I, I do think if you're trying to be objective, Houston has a better offense in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very talented. And uh, cheating scandal aside, this is still a very talented roster, right? Like if, if it was as simple as just having a general idea of what pitch was coming and then you turn into a superstar baseball player overnight, like players would find ways to cheat left and right. 
Um, this is a very talented lineup, um, very deep. I agree with you. I think uh, probably full health, I would take the Dodgers lineup over this one. But man, you there's some some big time hitters in this group. Um, very balanced. You mentioned they don't strike out a ton. They walk. They hit for power. Um, you know, they even run a little bit, which is kind of a lost art in today's game. Uh, it's it's going to be a real challenge. I will say, um, you know, I think the the Braves' pitching staff here is going to be the best pitching staff the Astros have seen in these playoffs, and probably considerably the best. Yes. Um, we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, the old adage is that good pitching beats good hitting. Um, the Braves have good pitching and the Astros have really good hitting and we'll see how it, how it all shakes out. But yes, if there's, if there's a decided advantage for the Astros in this series, as good as the Braves lineup is going objectively, this is a very good group one through nine. Yeah. And it's again, this is kind of come down to whether or not the Braves game plan is going to work out because the, the bullpen's very lefty like dependent and like you have to kind of rely on those lefties to be able to get out the righties in the lineup. And the one thing that the, the Astros are a better lineup than the Dodgers, I think. Uh, I mean, by the numbers they are right. But you know, I, that's I, I think very... LA might be deeper at full strength, but like one through eight, I probably lean Houston. Does that make sense? I think, I think the Dodgers yeah, like yeah. the superpower is their depth. Like they're just absurd. They have like 15 guys. Whereas the Houston's just has these like eight monsters essentially. I don't know. And I, I in in this particular case, you just have to accept that you're like you're not going to shut out you're not going to shut out this lineup, right? Like it's like it's like it, the, the, it's about bending and not breaking because like you know this is a team like this all of a sudden this big giant innings. I mean they, we saw that what happened what they did to the Red Sox. You know it was like you know like it would be okay for a couple innings and then like things would snowball in a hurry because all these guys can hit. Uh, it didn't again the the pitching on the AL side of the bracket wasn't particularly great, but. I'm very curious if the Braves can do what they did against the Dodgers. And that is like, especially like the top guys, like have real game plans, especially when platoons don't favor you. Um, they were really like the Braves, you know, the, the, the lefty and righty matchups, uh, neutralizing Trey Turner, neutralizing Mookie Betts, those types of, my, my, you know, that was really important in that series. Now, you know, Chris Taylor and AJ Pollock were a different problem, but that's not, they were kind of batting in a different part of the order that maybe you would be, you know, employing the, the relievers that you could execute your plan against. I'm really curious if the Braves are going to be able, because again, objectively, the lineup's better than the Braves. It just is. And there's just, that's not negotiable. On paper. But, <laughs> but yeah, well, well, I mean, and again, on any given day, et cetera, et cetera, I get that. But at the same time, like, this, this Houston team, the offense is maybe is slightly better than Dodgers. If they have a game plan in place where they think that they can at least, again, kind of implementing that bend, but not break approach to just, you know, like don't give up big innings, don't get blown up. And again, maybe you, maybe you give up three runs a game, right? Maybe you can do that. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's harder against the Astros and it's four, but at least you can kind of keep yourself in the game and then leverage the advantage you have, which is your start, uh, the, the Astros pitching staff, which is not any good, or at least they're at the rotation. Then maybe, just maybe, that's like the path to victory. But it's going to be about executing that game plan and kind of limiting those guys. Because I mean, like, 
freaking Alex Bregman might be the seventh best hitter on that team right now. <laughs> you know, and that's that's insane to me. He hasn't had a particularly great couple of years, but and maybe some of that was trash can, you know, enhanced. But at the same time, I'm again, you have to have a lot of respect for this Astros lineup. And I'm expecting a lot of those same innings that we felt against the Dodgers was like, God, no, we have this guy to deal with. I mean, Yuli Gurriel has been insane for the, for the Astros this year. And like, that's not the guy that if you'd asked me going into the season, if you had given me five chances to pick the guy who was going to be like the scariest in the Astros lineup, I wouldn't have named him. You know what I mean? And it's, it's just, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. So clearly we've, we've gassed up the Astros enough offensively. They are very good. No question about it. Um, they are more vulnerable on the other side. So the big, one of the big questions, probably the biggest question um, for the series is Houston's rotation. Um, they got through the American league with this group, uh, but it's not, it's not good on paper. Um, Lance McCullers has been their best pitcher this year and he is not ruled out for the series, but it seems unlikely he's going to pitch. He has a forearm strain. He missed the last round. Everyone who covers the team seems to think that he's unlikely to pitch. So I'm going to assume he's not going to pitch. It's not impossible, but I'm going to cross him off. And again, he was their best pitcher this season. Um, they have named Framber Valdez as their game one starter. He was, he's been pretty good the last two years. He's a pretty good pitcher overall. He was great in game five of the ALCS. Um, I think he's a pretty solid option. But beyond him, they have some question marks. Um, Brian McTaggart is the... Let's just say he's the Mark Bowman uh, of MLB.com on the Astro side. He covers them full-time for MLB.com. He's projecting Luis Garcia in Game 2, uh, Jose Urquidy. I'm not sure how to say his name. My apologies. In Game 3, and uh, is not ready to name a Game 4 projection, although he's leaning to Zach Greinke, who is obviously quite famous, potential Hall of Famer. Like, Zach Greinke's been very, very good for a long time. But it's not, it's not exactly your uh, older brother's Zach Greinke at this point in time. They also mm-hmm. have Jake Odorizzi. But... These guys are not embarrassing. This is not like a bunch of triple A starters, but not a lot of guys who are pitching either pitching well now or, um, you know, have been pitching well all season long. So I say all that, like, it's not a complete disaster, but when you have a team that has Charlie Morton, Max Fried, and Ian Anderson on it, um, even with the game four question mark the Braves have, this is a series where that game four question mark is not going to be a huge disadvantage because the Astros have their own game four question mark. So I say all that to say, it's not, man, I'm looking at this thing. I'm trying not to say that it's terrible because it's not. They have some guys who have been pretty good this year at, at times. And Granky is, maybe maybe he finds it. But Scott, objectively, uh, speaking as we did on the, on the last time about the Astros lineup, the Braves have a rotation advantage in this series. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not crazy to say that I think in, in basically, and we'll see how game four shakes out with the bullpens and whatnot. But I think the Braves are going to have the starting pitching advantage in every single game played in this series. Um, I would also say, as you are a betting man, Brad, and I know many of our (laughs) listeners are, um, it sounds to me like you should probably take the over on runs scored in every game because no matter how well the Braves pitch, this Astros lineup is going to be very tough to keep calm. And as we've seen, this Braves lineup can hit anybody. They have faced some ridiculously good starting pitching in the playoffs so far. Um, and this Astros lineup, especially without McCullers, I mean, I guess he could maybe pitch, but, um, I mean, it sounds like he was about an inch away from Tommy John surgery and they're just hoping that with rest and rehab, he isn't going to need it. Um, 
you know, without McCullers, especially this, this starting rotation is not very good against the Red Sox. I think they only had one starter go more than four innings in those six games. And I know in the playoffs, it's not like guys are throwing seven or eight innings regularly anyway, but I, I think this is a decided advantage for the Braves. And you hope that if they're able to get to these starters early and wear down that bullpen um, and, and just kind of see what happens. Uh, but yes, this is not a great rotation on paper. And I think one, the Braves should be able to hit quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, especially when their best guy is a lefty, you know, like this, this Braves team is particularly good against lefties and they have a good approach against them. And this isn't a guy, you know, he's not like a top five, you know, pitcher in the league or anything like that. So did he pitch really well against the Red Sox? Absolutely. He did. He did. He did in fact do that. But at the same time, you know, this is a Braves team. I mean, this is the worst starting rotation they've faced in the playoffs by a fairly significant margin. Oh yeah. By and, a lot. Yeah. He, yeah. And the Braves still consistently found ways. They didn't like always score them in big bunches. We haven't seen like a, a giant blowout game necessarily, but they were always able to consistently put runs up and keep, at least keep pace with the opposing offense. And in this particular case, the Houston's bullpen is good. Uh, I will say that it's a, it's a pretty good bullpen. So like once they get to those guys, uh, particularly Ryan Presley, uh, that's uh, th- that that could get a little dicey. But at the same time, I, I think that this is where it gets the, the the series that decided is whether or not the Braves pitchers, which are better, can just keep the just limit the damage that that offense can do, keep them the three or four runs a game, and then take advantage because this is a lineup that. I mean, we haven't really seen it a ton in the playoffs necessarily because the they've been going against some really good pitching, but like they know how to hit the long ball. They know how to hit for power. And if you're up against some less than desirable rotation options for your World Series lineup, this could get really, really interesting. I, I expect to see like, again, a lot of six, five type games, I think is like the best way I know how to like predict it is like, that's where these games are going to be decided is kind of like, close games but there's definitely going to be some run scored on the bullpen front uh i tend to agree with what you said there i think houston is solid in the bullpen uh not fantastic not terrible uh presley is very good he's there he's their closer um they have a couple of good setup guys this year they've been using christian javier as their like kind of in between long guy who's a former starter he's a really talented guy um ironically the astros and the braves actually had the exact same bullpen Fangraphs war this year. They actually tied, I think, for 13th or 14th in Major League Baseball. So, like, basically slightly above average, but they were uh, basically the exact same. Uh, I'm not sure the Rays have an advantage in the bullpen, but it's not a disadvantage. Yeah. So, we'll see. I mean, obviously, in the middle of a series, you can have a guy blow up. Um, there is some volatility with bullpens always, but I do think that I'm kind of calling in my mind the bullpen's kind of a wash. Um, maybe yeah. you guys disagree with me, but that's kind of where I am on the relief core. And, you know, again, very, very um, malleable in the middle of a series, but coming in, it's like kind of like a push for me. Yeah. And that's, you said it exactly right. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think, I think on paper, and again, we say on paper because playoff series get weird, but on paper, the Astros have the, the lineup advantage, not that the Braves aren't hitting on all cylinders right now, but just on paper, uh, you would take Houston's lineup, but then on paper, you would take the Braves' rotation uh, pretty easily. And then I do agree. I think the bullpens are pretty close to a wash. And just to kind of piggyback on that, I think that on paper, it's a wash. I think that the Braves' bullpen 
particularly the guys that they lean on, have played better. Does that make any sense? Like, kind of talking about like once you kind of get into we're we're dealing with multiple series now that we're kind of, you know, that's the sample size we're working with. You know, there's not many guys I would pick over Tyler Matzik right now or over AJ Minter right now. Tyler Matzik's on another planet right now. He's yeah, he's well, yeah, Eddie Rosario of bullpens at the moment. And, like he's now, <laughs> and we're and we're and we're, ta- and we're talking the Eddie Rosario bullpens. <laughs> um, uh, so. I, I will say that, you know, based on how guys are playing right now in this moment and, you know, getting a couple of days of rest for all those guys is going to be really good for them. Um, you know, I think a lot of these games are going to be decided by like, you know, one bullpen move here and there and just how guy executes. But what I like about where the Braves are positioned wise is that in games where they're leading, that they have a really good chance because they have guys uh, particularly games in Houston that they can throw multiple innings and you can have some confidence in doing so to kind of get to the end of the game. Whereas in Houston, like, again, there's a little bit more give and it's like, there's not like a guy there's not other than Presley, who's been very good. There's not guys I look to and I'm like, that's genuinely scary. I mean, like Kendall Graveman's had a, like a nice season, particularly when he was in Seattle and, you know, you know, Stanek's been pretty good, but this isn't like a, like this isn't like a, a bruise. There's no there's no bruised or Gratterall where it's like God. This is their seventh inning guy. You know, like you know, he's throwing 101. It's not the. It doesn't have that same sort of vibe to me. It seems like that there's more give there. Whereas with with the Braves, like they have multiple guys right now, and it's even it's weird to me to limp to to lump Will Smith into that group. But like he's been very very good too. Nails so, baby, nails. Will he, Smith. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to get over the trauma that Will Smith put us through uh, at times in the last couple months of the season, but he's been very good. Uh, I think on paper, it's very, very close, but based on how they're playing right now, I get the edge to the Braves there. I can totally see it. Um, before we get to some predictions and some projection stuff at the very end, uh, I think it's very obvious to me that, the Braves starting pitching is a massive key in the series. Like if you get the B plus or better versions of guys like Morton Freed, you got to feel really good. Um, but beyond that, and we talk about those guys all the time, each, each every time somebody plays, we talk about that guy who, that guy who, who pitches and how they do. I want to just bring up that the Braves lineup in the playoffs has been pretty top heavy with what's actually been producing. In fact, there are, you know, three, four, almost even five guys who are regulars that have not been good at all in the playoffs uh, at the plate. Um, and they've had some moments for sure, but overall numbers wise, Ozzy Albies has struggled. Dansby has a 500 OPS in the playoffs. Darno is a 518 OPS in the playoffs. Duvall is like in the six hundred, like, like the mid 600s. Um, even Austin Riley has been good compared to everybody else, but has been well below his, his uh, season long pace. It's basically been Eddie Rosario slash Babe Ruth, um, Freddie Freeman, and then like Jock Pearson had the early, uh, so, you know, he's had some big, some big home runs and stuff. But it's not. I was kind of not not surprised, but when I was looking this up before this podcast. It struck me how like not balanced it's really been. Like I, I kind of knew Dansby and Darno in particular had kind of done nothing, but um, it's not. It's really been two guys that have done a lot of the lifting and. As much as we love Eddie Rosario, he probably can't keep doing this. Maybe he can. I don't know. Maybe he's just going to be in group for the rest of the time. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, while, while you're here, Scott, are you worried about these three or four guys? You know, your Ozzy, Duvall, Dansby, Darno, even Solaire, who just got getting his, get, getting under uh, 
getting back on, I guess, in, into game shape and all that stuff. Does that worry you at all in this series? Because they're going to have to score, I think, pretty consistently. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, sure, I hope all of these guys get going. I will say, I'm I'm not sure it is possible to have faced a tougher pitching assignment than what the Braves yep. have seen yep. through 10 games so far. I mean, they faced two legitimate Cy Young candidates with the Brewers. They faced uh, three legitimate Cy Young candidates with the Dodgers. The Brewers have a very good bullpen. The Dodgers have a tremendous bullpen. So, um, yes, I, I hope these guys can get going a little bit, um, especially Ozzy. He's had some big moments, and he, he hasn't been horrible, but especially batting third. Uh, they need him to really produce in these spots. Um yeah, I, I hope, you know, Adam Duvall has not had a great postseason. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets dropped down a spot or two. Um, Travis Darno seems to be hitting the ball pretty hard. He just hasn't had a lot of success. So I hope, again, not that the Astros are the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates here in terms of <laughs> pitching staffs, but I do hope that as the pitching gets a little bit easier, um, they will, the bats will come alive a little bit more. And really it's, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out. It's kind of crazy to think that they are seven and three in the postseason so far and in the world series. And they really have not gotten much of anything from half of the, of the lineup regulars. Yeah. Being, being, yeah. Seven, being seven and three with only two of your guys being above or even approaching their season long baseline offensively is kind of insane, but it's happened. I mean, you know, it helps when you have, you know, Babe Ruth incarnate bat and lead off for you. Uh, he will never buy another, another 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 drink or or, uh, or meal anywhere in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah him him or Matzik. Uh, those, those those guys are living free for a while. For all time. Um, yes. Yep. And uh, you know, I and I, I think Scott hit it right on the head. It's like I think that uh, some of this is just a function of the quality of the pitching that they've gone that they've gone against, right? And you know, I will say that like there's these guys. I've seen we've seen these guys put together some good at bats. Austin in particular seems like to be constantly in these seven or eight pitch at bats, you know, I mean, Blake training made a like a really good pitch to strike him out the other night. And it just, he, it seems like he's been really close to like, a, like one pitch away from a walk or one mistake away from really blowing a game open. He like single-handedly beat the Dodgers in game one. You know what I mean? So it's a, I, I don't think he's so far off that makes me worry too much about him. You know, the other guys that you mentioned, you know, Darno is just that hasn't looked particularly good at the plate at all this year. If we're just being honest about it, you know, we're talking about a pretty small sample because he was hurt. Um, Dan, you know, Dan, Dansby had stitches above his eye and you don't really know like, how that was affecting him in the short term. And in Ozzy's case, he just, you know, hasn't found a pitch that he's not willing to swing at, but when he gets hot, he gets hot and the quality of the pitches he's going to be seeing and the quality of the pitching he's going to be getting from the Astros. It's just, it's just not the same. It's not the same when you're looking at Walker Bueller or Max Scherzer or Corbin Burns and like having to produce against those guys. Then when you have like, you know, Framber Alvarez uh, or the ghost of Zach Greinke out there, it's just not, it's not the same. And I think that these guys will produce how much, I mean, that, that remains to be seen and how much that the, they, when they get the Houston can kind of get into that bullpen, which I do think is a pretty good bullpen is, you know, how much that impacts the game and how that, you know, how they ultimately get deployed against the Braves. But I think the Braves are going to score some runs in the series. I do. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed out about Riley too. It's not, I, I lumped him in because he's been below his baseline, but he's actually just been fine. He, he was just, he was, he was so good this year that he actually falls. Yeah. It's hard to it keep while, that. Yeah. While still being like 
fine in normal context. Like he, I think he has an OPS like the mid to high 700s, which is not terrible by any means. It's just not where he was in the season. So yeah. he has been notably better than those other guys, but he was also notably better than those guys during the season too. So yeah, um, everything amplified this time of year, right? I mean, oh, if yeah. Ozzy had a 10 game stretch in the middle of June where he had a 630 OPS, no one. Cares. We, I mean, yeah. you might, someone might notice, oh, Ozzy's been down a little bit, but yes, everything is magnified and with good reason it's high stakes, but um yeah, I thought I'm glad you brought that up, Brad, because it is important to note that this lineup, while they have faced some really good pitching, um, they're in the World Series and a lot of their key guys are not really hitting. Yeah, I think if only we knew that they were seven and three and heading to the World Series in the playoffs, you would have thought they would have scored more runs. But they've only scored more than five runs once in the playoffs. It was the nine two win in game four against the Dodgers. Wow. That's crazy. Um, but they this is this is their runs this is their runs per per game. They scored one run in, again the first game against Milwaukee, then 3 3 5 3 5 5 9 2 and 4. So wow. like that doesn't seem like a, like like a team that's just like firing on all cylinders offensively. They've been fine. It's not like they've been embarrassing or anything. They've they've won games. But mm-hmm. uh it's really been their run prevention. Like in their wins, the opposition just hasn't scored. I mean they got two shutout wins in the Milwaukee series, then a four, and they held a four in Game Four, then two, uh, two in Game One, four in Game Two. Then they held them, they held them to two runs in Game Four, and then two runs last night. So like when they win, they're not winning shootouts right now. They're winning low scoring games, or they're winning lopsided games. So we'll see. But pitching advantage probably goes to the Braves anyway, which is uh, helpful. All right, before we get to our predictions, I tweeted this, but this is pretty ironic. After what we just talked about with, like, if you want to just be as broad as possible, the Braves having the starting pitching advantage, the Astros having the offensive advantage, and then a push in the bullpen, our friends at 538 currently, as we record this, give this series a 50-50 chance, uh, which is I thought was hilarious. Um, Sportsline is about the same as well. That's the CBS property where, uh, full disclosure, I, I do some work for them. Um, they're 50.5% for Atlanta, so basically a coin flip. Fangraphs, a couple other places, are more in the like almost 60-40 towards the Astros realm. And the betting market, I thought was interesting. The Astros are about 60% favorites in the betting market, almost everywhere. They're like minus 150 consensus. BetMGM, Caesars, FanDuel, all those places. The Astros uh, are seemingly the darlings of either the public or the sharp guys. I'm not really sure which one, but if you look at the models... It's a straight coin flip, basically. But the betting market seems to favor Houston. There's just some background. I'm just, I always provide that to you. No one, ha- no one has to care. The, 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 the degenerate Brad. Well, it's, I, honestly, <laughs> I, say, I say this all the time. This is, it's great context to know what the projections will tell you. Um, I will say game one uh, in the betting market is already out. Houston is a favorite in game one, but a smaller favorite in game one than they are in the series, which I thought was interesting to me because... I guess it's probably just because of Morton um, in terms of the, the factors there. But normally a team playing at home might be a bigger favorite in the series, in the one game than they would be in the series. But it seems like uh, the market does trust Charlie Morton a lot more than what the Astros are putting out there in game one. So I say all that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull rank and go last here. Uh, I will let you guys battle over, over who gives the first prediction. Uh, but I need your on-the-record prediction, and I guess to throw you a curveball, I, I need I need like an MVP or something too, like except either bold prediction or an MVP pick, something like that. But the big one 
is uh, who wins and how many games. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> I, knew that I, uh, <laughs> I am similar to the Dodgers series. Um, I really do think it could go either way objectively. But, man, something just tells me there, there's just something weird going on with this team. And team they, of destiny. And, again, I mean, it, nobody expected them to get here. They infamously did not spend a day above 500 until the second week of August. But this remade lineup, uh, Brian Snitker has pushed all the right buttons so far. There, there's just something going right. And I like to think that this is going to be the, the team of destiny and, and they're going to keep going. I'm going to take, wow. I'm going to take the Braves in six, I think is what I'm going to do. Um, I think they will split in Houston. They will take two out of three at home and then they will close it out in six uh, in, in Texas. Um, if I, had to take an MVP. I will say that Freddie Freeman is the series MVP. Oh, a, a bold It'll prediction a- of the uh, the reigning National League MVP and face of the franchise as MVP. That's that's bold, Scott. Yeah, I think you know the <laughs> uh, the Astros do not have a lot in the way of left-handed pitching, and I know Freddie hits both well. Um, but I will take Freddie as the MVP. Is he is going to see a whole bunch of right-handed pitching in this series? The Astros are really good. I mean, again, if, if the Braves lose this series, they are certainly not losing to an inferior opponent by any means. But I will take my official prediction is Braves in six, Freddie Freeman MVP, and uh, man, let's do it. Why not, right? If, if there was ever a year to, to make this thing happen, it would be this year, especially after um, exercising some of those demons and getting past the Dodgers and the Brewers. Let's, let's go all the way here. I'll say Braves in six. Okay, Eric, it's time. So this is a really, really hard call for me. Um, I, I don't know if I famously predicted the Dodgers in six in the last series, and it's just because I had a lot of respect for that lineup versus what I assumed what the Braves are going to be doing. But uh, there's been a few, there's a few developments kind of in my mind here. One is that they're facing a significantly worse rotation. And... I think when that's true and based on how the Braves are both handling their starting pitching as well as how well the bullpen is pitching, that it will be that the Astros are going to score some runs, but I think that the Astros are really going to struggle to limit the Braves' offensive output. And I think that it's, it is important that Jorge Soler is back uh, because it kind of gives them some options. You know whether it be with pinch, you know, you, you know the bench later on in you know in the National League parts of the series, or when they're in, with the DH that they can you know, get really creative with how they're constructing the lineup to kind of limit any issues with platoons and things like that. Um, and when I, I when I really just think about it, I, I I respect this offense from the Astros, and I wouldn't be shocked if like they just went wild because that's just the level of talent. It's the same thing with the Dodgers, right? Like, it wouldn't have been shocking, like, well, all of a sudden, if Mookie Betts and Corey Seager and, you know, Justin Turner's both healthy and raking, I mean, you just can't beat that team. But I don't look at this Houston team as one that's going to be able to, especially if they're implementing, the Braves are implementing a game plan that was as effective as theirs was against the Dodgers. And maybe they can't do that, but it seems like that there's real work being done to kind of 
understand like you know reverse you know platoons and how they're going to pitch to the guys that could give them trouble i right now in my heart of hearts like i i think it's a coin flip i think that the you know i think that 538 is right but i think what it comes down to is that the braves are just going to ultimately be wings a lot of these six to five type games um and that's kind of where i think it comes down to is just you know a bunch of nail-biting games that's going to drive us crazy uh and i'm picking the braves in seven Whew, okay. Um, here we go. I, I also think this is a virtual coin flip series. I really do. I think Houston is very good. Um, I don't think that home field is a huge consideration, but they do have it, which gives them a couple percentage points, I think, for me. It's not like football or basketball where it's I think it's a bigger swing, but um, if this is played in a neutral site, I would be – even more comfortable picking the Braves, but I think um, having home field does matter to some degree for Houston. Now, I do think the Braves are actually set up pretty well as a DH team right now with Soler um, and Rosario, of course, and Duvall and all those guys on board. That helps a little bit in this spot. Uh, whew, um, before I... I guess I'll probably give it away, so I'll wait. I'm going to take the Braves in seven. I think that... That's more of an illustration of how close I think it's going to be than it is that, that actually being the likelihood outcome because it's tough to win on the road in a game seven, um, all that stuff. I think being the road team in the way that baseball does it with the 2-3-2, two, two, you know, it's hard to pick the quote-unquote underdog or close to it in five, which means you have to pick them winning the series on the road. Like, for the Braves to finish this off in Atlanta, they got to win it in four or five. And that's possible. Don't get me wrong. That's very possible. But it's hard to predict the Braves beating the Astros, who are as good as they are in my, in my mind, in four or five games. Um, so I will say seven. And uh, who I'm going to say World Series MVP, Charlie Morton. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I for- I forgot to give my prediction for MVP. Give me Austin Riley. I think he breaks out in this. I, I honestly, that was my backup. I, you know, Freddie, I think Scott's making the smart decision. I think Freddie is probably the single most likely winner if the Braves win the series because he's their best player. And I'm, I know people keep yelling that Riley's better. He's not. Freeman's better. My apologies. Uh, but I, I think that Riley has a great matchup in the series and has been awesome all year. And I think that he is very much in play too. I'm going a little bit off the board with Morton. Uh, and honestly, I know it will take him being very good in both starts for him to win. Uh, for a pitcher to win MVP in the modern landscape with how short the leashes are on pitchers, they have to be awesome twice. And I think that's actually going to happen. Um, I think the narrative also with Morton being a former Astro, that pr- shouldn't matter, but it probably does in terms of the voting and stuff like that for, for MVP. But uh, I'm taking Charlie. I think that you know, any number of guys could win. I think the thing about this Braves team right now is that they have guys who can get hot. Like, would it stun either one of you if Dansby Swanson won World Series MVP? No, not at all. He's been, he's been pretty bad it, for a while. It, 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 it might stun me a little bit, but, <laughs> but I, you, you know I'm going to be real that, about you it. You know why I say that, though? Because if Dansby gets hot all of a sudden, he's yeah. a guy that can be as hot as anybody in the world. Like, if he's hot, yeah. he is scalding hot. Same thing with Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall could hit four home runs in this series. Would that surprise me? No, I don't think it would. Um, Jorge Soler, same thing. They have several guys that could get hot enough. Guys, 
Eddie Rosario was the runaway NLCS MVP yesterday. That happened yesterday. Yep. Eddie Rosario was <laughs> traded for Pablo he Sandoval. He was insane. <laughs> he was insane. Was he was awesome. traded for Pablo Sandoval midseason and just won the NLCS MVP. And like it was very clear he was the right choice. So like it's a, it's a seven-game series, man. Anybody can win MVP. Win MVP. Travis Hardnuck won MVP. I mean, you know. All that said, let's not get crazy here. Let's not. He could. Travis Hardnuck's really good. If he if he hit three or four home runs in the series, he, he could win. Um. Anyway, I think that it's really close. A pick in the Braves. Um, it's probably like fifty two forty eight. Like I mean, all, all all things equal, I'm just gonna lean. I'm gonna lean to my my heart rather than my head here. But I think we're on the same page. I think we all kind of think this is gonna be a close series. Um, we're picking the Braves to do it. It's gonna be fun. Uh. I, it's a very evenly matched series, man, and I think the tension is going to be really, really high. I mean, we were all melting down at various times in the last series. I know, we, I know, we all were. We talked about it both online and offline. Now it's the World Series, and I, I genuinely don't know how people are going to react because it's been so long. You know, the, it felt like the the monkey was off their back last night because they hadn't made the World Series in 22 years. Now, is it going to feel different in the World Series where the stakes can't possibly be higher? And they've only won once in my lifetime. I don't. I don't know. It's going to be a little bit weird. Obviously, the tension is going to be high, but is it going to be as uh, as nervy? I don't. I don't really know how people are going to react to this. I don't know how they're going to react to this. The Astros have been there before, and the Braves haven't. On this on this particular stage, this Astros team has guys who have been in the World Series before. They've won the World Series. Bregman, Altuve, these guys won the World Series four years ago. Does that matter? I don't know how much it matters, but it might matter like five percent. I don't know. So. That's my final thought. It's just like I'm, I'm ready. I think we're all buckled up and ready to go here. But it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a wild one. I'm sure there's gonna be some drama. There'll be somebody that pops off the screen. There'll be a, a team that blows the lead somewhere along the way, and all that stuff. And uh, I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's baseball. We'll have fun. Yeah, it should be a fun series. I think it's two tremendous teams. Uh, no matter what the the national narrative might be, as as Freddie said, kill the narrative and and why not do it this year it's been a wild ride especially these last couple weeks and months um and and i think his fans too yes we're going to be very nervous and stressed watching these games but try to enjoy it you you just never know i mean i think that's something as fans you can get so worked up in the moment you know take it in enjoy it and this is something that does not happen all the time. And who knows the next time the Braves are going to be in the World Series. Let's hope this is the beginning of a similar run where they're seemingly in it every other year. But fact of the matter is you just don't know and you have to enjoy it and have fun uh, watching the game and all the, the post-game stuff yesterday was such a great time. And let's just hope, man, four more wins would be a, a magical way to end this month out. And uh, what a story it would be. Yeah, and I just want to echo that. I mean, just keep in mind, I, I know that a lot of our listeners are kind of on the younger side and I'm, I'm like ancient compared to a lot of them, washed. but yeah, completely washed. But like up until last year, it had been a long time since the Braves have even won a playoff series. We're not talking about like, you know, just like getting over the hump, beating the Dodgers. Like before last year, what was the, when was the last time they had won a playoff series? 2003? One, I believe. Yeah, 2000, 2001. So only t- it was only two years younger than their playoff, their, their World Series drought was actually just winning a playoff series. And, you know, the I, I, I've said this and, you know, like it kind of turns into a bit of a meme in a lot of ways, but 
the Braves weren't supposed to be here. They lost Ronald Acuna Jr. They lose Ozuna. They lose, you know, Soroka. They lose Darno for a while. They lose Ian Anderson for a while. They lose Enoa, who's pitching out of his mind for a while. And they somehow got here. And it's worth remembering that this season is a gift. And while, you know, Brad and I continue to have PTSD about Jim Laritz and Chad Curtis, the walk-off <laughs> home runs and, you know, getting their brains absolutely beat in by the Yankees in the 99 series. You know, it's, you remember world series appearances forever. If you're, if you if you have any investment with the team at all, world series appearances are an important part of it. And you want to you want to savor that and you want to understand how big of an accomplishment it is just to get here. You're not like you're not like a team that's taking advantage of like, you know, you're just really good at beating your division opponents and you're just like, you know, racking up, you know, division titles and then just getting bounced or to get to the World Series. You have to be battle tested. You have to beat really good teams. And that's what this team has done. They've beaten the two best pitching staffs in the playoffs, I think. Uh, the best team in the playoffs, I think, in the Dodgers. And now they're here and they have a real chance. And that doesn't mean there's not going to be moments that hurt. Uh, there's not going to be moments that like cause us a lot of stress. I fully anticipate that the vibes from this series are going to be very similar to the Dodgers series because it's another really deep, very scary lineup. And, you know, the, the next guy that comes up is scares you as much as the guy before. And if you can continue to just stick in with the team and to understand that win or lose that where where they are now is a huge accomplishment you will enjoy watching it a lot more if it's world series or bust for you in terms of your happiness it is going to be incredibly difficult for you to enjoy what is a very rare <laughs> and really cool thing that the Braves are doing right now yep We'll try to enjoy it. I cannot promise that if they lose in devastating fashion in like game one or two or something that we won't come on and be pretty upset and be bothered. And that's, oh, absolutely. That's part, that's part of the deal. I know you know that, Eric, but, and everybody knows that. But uh, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll do what we can do. We'll try to be responsible and analytical as well as uh, passionate on this podcast. I appreciate both of you guys for coming on and doing this with me. We'll go back to splitting it up a little bit as the games go on here. It's going to be some late nights, I am very sure. Uh, these 8 o'clock starts and World Series and commercials and pitching changes, it's going to be some late nights in the next week or so. But we'll have a lot of fun talking about everything that's transpired here. Uh, thanks to you guys as well for doing last night's podcast. If you, again, one more time, if you missed anything last night or want to download it again, listen to it again. It's, it's, it's definitely an upbeat celebration and uh, plenty of time to listen to that, as well as much, much more to come. Please subscribe, please rate and review and tell your friends and download old episodes and subscribe and unsubscribe and resubscribe and game the system. We're not above that. And all the written content is everywhere. Chris, Chris Willis and company, Anchoring the Ship, Demetrius, uh, the, the minor league guy, everybody has been producing incredible content on the written side. So read all of that as well. Click around. Um, support the sponsors, all that stuff. But thank you sincerely for everybody for listening to the podcast. I'll be back after game one with one of these gentlemen, probably. And uh, until then, we'll see you next time.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. 